I got a letter in the mail addressed to, you know, if it was biblical, it would be a letter to the church at Maple Shade, right? But it was addressed to me as the pastor. You know, it's handwritten from Philadelphia, PA. I thought, hmm, somebody's writing something to me. Opened it up, and you could see right away this was going to be different than a letter from the Apostle Paul. Because this isn't personal. I, you know, I didn't need to be Columbo and look to see is there any, you know, you get those handwritten letters in the mail from Anderson Windows or whatever, but they're not really. There's, there's no indentation on the page, right? This one's photocopied, obviously. So immediately I'm going, okay, it's a, you're sent it to us, but you must have sent it to a lot more. And dear pastor, a Christian man and his family was tricked by their pastor into selling his soul to the devil. And yes, I said the devil for a lot of money. And afterwards, he killed his stepson, whom he had helped to raise as a kid, because once you become involved with the devil, that's what happens. And off goes a page which includes some very uh, graphic things, and at the end, so pastor, if you still choose to get involved with this, don't blame God for your outcome. Now, you know, as I'm reading the letter, I'm thinking, fascinating, this, this uh, studying the letter to the church at Maple Shade today, because obviously this letter is nothing like the letter of the Apostle Paul. There's nothing personal about it. And it doesn't have to deal with anything. Uh, you know, I can tell you in good conscience, I have not been seeking to have someone sell their soul to the devil, nor am I aware of any pastor who's ever been part of our church family that is, is, is trying to persuade people to sell their souls to the devil. So I take that letter, and it goes in a file I've been collecting for 30 years of just fascinating letters that come in the mail and tell me, uh, you know, I'm hateful or, or, or we're, we're lost or whatever it, it may be. And, uh, you, you know, but it's not like the letters Paul wrote, right? Today, we're going to be looking at that. We have been looking at the Apostle Paul's life, and we saw, and I like to repeat it kind of just to give you a sense of the journey. We saw seven weeks ago, I guess, Paul's conversion, right? The Christian, Paul's early witness, Paul growing as a disciple of Christ, Paul the co-worker, Paul the bodybuilder, Paul the missionary we saw last week, and now, right, we see what? Paul the letter writer. Paul the letter writer. And uh, we're going to be reading a passage about it and uh, looking at it today. So let's just pray first. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. And I know that you can do a lot more with your word today than what I even have intended in my thoughts. So spirit of the living God, move among us in your way. Maybe there's someone here today who needs to be set free from their sin, to, be, to find forgiveness. Let them turn to you in faith, Lord Jesus. Let them confess their sins, be forgiven, and become your eternal child. Maybe there's somebody here who's carrying the weight of sin as a Christian, blocking their, the beauty of the peace and fellowship they can have with you. Have them stir them spirit to confess it to you. Lord, maybe there's someone here that you're moving upon because they've 
just felt so beaten down and exhausted with doubt, with questions, with why you allowed this or that. In your way, Spirit of God, somehow use the word to take hold of their heart and remind them you have been with them all along. Maybe there's someone here, Lord, that needs to see the people around them in life and care about them a little more. Well, we ask that you would stir us all as that's our focus. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to read in Acts chapter 14 about Paul, the letter writer. I'm going to read verse 21 and following, and it says this, And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And when they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived and gathered the church Together they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. If you were following along there, you may say, I, where's the letter writing? I, I, you said something about Paul, a letter writer. I, I didn't see anywhere in there. And, and, I'm, and how did you miss it, right? Right, I understand. It's not, it's, not, it's not, you don't read about it there, right? But it is there. What we're reading about actually is what? The end of Paul's first missionary journey. We saw Paul the missionary last week going out with Barnabas and that first missionary journey to share the gospel. We're reading literally about the end of it, the, the conclusion of that trip. And uh, what, what happens is he's going to go out on a second missionary journey. One of the places he's going to take the gospel is Thessalonica. Next week, we're going to begin studying, sharing Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. But something happens before that. He writes a letter, and most believe that that letter was written there in verse 28. In other words, the first letter that I believe Paul wrote was the letter to the Galatians. He doesn't date them. Paul doesn't date his letters, and so we have to kind of figure where they fit. But his letter to the Galatians was probably his first letter, and it was, most people agree, it would have been written right there. When I say in verse 28, I mean that in that time when he returns to Antioch, and the, the missionary council, not the missionary council, the, the Jerusalem council hasn't occurred yet in chapter 15. In that time, Paul gets home, and, and, and that letter is, is written. And so these verses, to me, really give us a sense of what is in the heart of Paul. Not just to write to the Galatians, but what is it about Paul that makes him want to write letters to these Christian churches? And uh, so we're going to get a glimpse of that in these verses. And the first thing we're going to see is that this, Paul values people. One of the reasons Paul became a letter writer is he values people. The first missionary journey that Paul's returning from was not a project. It isn't something that, you know, he, he just accomplished, right? Uh, these were people that he met, that he loved, that he cared about, 
right? And, and, and they're people that are in motion, right? So I love mowing the grass. I love mowing the grass because, you know, it's something you can see, and it sits there at least for a little bit, right? I go out in the backyard, I mow this direction, turn around, come back this way, just overlap a little bit. You know, I invented, that's the, I'm kidding. That's the way most people mow the grass, right? I don't know. And, 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 uh, but when you're done, look at that. Yeah. You can see all the rows. Looks nice. Get a little drink of water, come back out. Wow, look what I did there. Greta gets home from work. Hey, hey, come on outside. Come on. Oh, look, look at the yard. Look, yeah, great. You mowed the grass. That's great. Yeah, well, doesn't it look terrific there? Look at it. See? You know what? Why? Because it stays there for a while, right? It's different than what? It's, it's different than doing the laundry, right? You empty that hamper, and you put all the laundry in the washer and into the dryer, and by the time you go back upstairs, it, there's, there's more laundry in the hamper. You give the babies a bath. And they're all, the little babies, they're all clean. And in five minutes, there's an explosion that somehow the diaper doesn't hold. And, and, and I'm sorry to be graphic, but all of a sudden, it's a, what? What in the world, right? That's, that's what people, it's human beings. And Paul has come back from this missionary journey, and he loves people and he cares about them. But he knows they're all not just sitting there. They just like hanging on to the last note of the song they sang, waiting for him to get back. Their lives are in motion. He loves them. He cares about them. He values them. And so what does he do? One of the ways we see that before he even writes the letter is on the end of the trip, he visits them. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them. What are they doing? They go all the way out, and he reaches as far as he's going to go on this journey, and he doesn't just take, you know, a a one-way, you know, no-stop flight back. He goes back to all the people they just visited. Hey, how you doing? I know you're, you know, you're not like the grass. I knew there was going to be changes here and this and that. And I want to strengthen you. I care about you. Paul values people, just like Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew gives us a glimpse of Jesus and of Jesus' words. And what do we read in Matthew 9 and verse 35? Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. What's he saying? Well, we got projects to do. Yes and no. Projects are necessary, but the important thing about them is what? In the church, certainly, is people. Jesus is saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest that there will be followers of mine who see people and care about them. They're compassionate. They go out there, right? You know, we're, gonna, we, we're, we're busy. We're going we're gonna to sometimes rush by people. You know, and, but, but we pray, God, give us, give us eyes to see. You know, in a church, sometimes it's like John chapter, what is it, 5, where Jesus sees the lame person. The lame person doesn't say anything. But Jesus sees him, cares about him, and goes over to him and, and says something. And, and sometimes, by the grace of God, uh, I, I, I'll see something or notice something and be able to reach out to somebody. You're doing all right, this or that. But more times than not, 
whether it's because I'm, I'm, you know, my own weakness. You need people to be like Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus who's saying, Jesus, 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 I have a need. And in the church sometimes, right? Sometimes we, we may feel like, well, I'll, I'll wait to see till somebody notices. But it's okay as a Christian to say, hey, I, I'm not going to wait till somebody notices. I, I need help. I need care. I need, you know, uh, 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 attention. But to have that heart, all of us in the body of Christ, a heart like Paul that sees people right? Values people. In, in, in verse 27, as I read that when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they come back from the first missionary journey. What do we read? They began to report all things that God had done. I don't think they're just going, and there was 11 people here and 72 there. And I, there's a place for numbers. In the book of Acts, we read 3,000 people got saved that day. But it's not supposed to be, you know, just numbers that like we take pride in. I led nine people to the Lord. Oh, really? What are their names? I don't know. Did you get their addresses? No. Did you get like, in other words, Paul wouldn't be that way. Paul was, I, I, I care. And, and if they responded, I want to I wanna somehow keep in touch with them and reach out to them. And I, I picture Paul's report there being much more like, you know, we've had our missions team We've had those nights where we gather and our missions team gives a report. And I always love it because they, they never come back and go, you know, we flew 3,000 miles and uh, we worked for 67 hours. No, it's always what? Oh, we got to meet the pastor at the Oaxaca church and, 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 we, and know him and kind of that. And we were able to help this woman. Her house was having these problems. We met this, work, this kitchen worker at Union Mission. And, we met, and, and there's always faces that they're seeing. And you can see it when they're sharing a report. They're looking at each other. Yeah, remember him? You know, they're people, they're, they're faces. And that's Paul. It's what motivates Paul. It's what fills his mind when he writes his letters. And so we have to know that when we're seeing Paul, the letter writer, one of the reasons he's writing is because he values people. Letter's going to be what? Typically very personal. William Barclay says, in his letters, Paul opened his mind and his heart to the folks he loved so much. When we read Paul's letters, we are not reading things which were meant to be academic exercises or theological bulletins, but rather human documents written by a friend to his friends. In other words, it's important to remember Paul's focus Paul's, now hear me, is not the universal church. Paul's focus is the recipients. Now, the Holy Spirit is right there with Paul. And the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul every word that he says for it to be the infallible, inerrant word of God for the universal church. But when Paul's writing it, he's writing it in a, I'm writing it to these people that I know in a personal way. And it's important to realize that, that Paul doesn't sit down and say, I'm going to be writing a letter. Uh, this letter is going to be on, you know, uh, you know, Christology and pneumatology and ecclesiology. And the next letter will be on soteriology. And these are all different, what we would call biblical doctrines, right? But, but no, Paul's writing to a personal issue, but he's going to be, as we'll see, there's going to be such biblical revelation for all of us, but it's personal. And I want you to sense that 
of Paul's heart, because that's where a letter begins. When I was, uh, I got saved, you know, at the end of eighth grade, was baptized uh, in the spring of 1975 here. And I remember shortly after I got saved, now we, our youth group, we would do a God and I time, and I did my God and I time, and you know, you know, you know, work, 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 and you know, when I say, you're reading scripture, and I, I, by the grace of God, he gave me the grace to, 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 do, to keep doing that as a teen. But I also, somewhere along the way, I, I, you know, ninth grade, I think, I don't know, I started a, I started a little prayer journal with God that I'm gonna pray with God. It, 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 it lost track very quickly. I think the first entrance was like, Lord, forgive me, I lost my temper, I hate losing my temper, I did it again, it's a problem I have, help me with it. And also, I like a girl named Marlene, so Lord, if you would, please, you know, maybe help her give attention to me. By the time my brothers got a hold of it, found it in my drawer in 10th grade, and we, they were looking back at it or whatever, they, they were, they were, you know, it, 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 it seemed like the requests were simply, Lord, I know I mentioned Marlene before, but now there's this girl, Sharon, that I, and I, I really care about her. And then after that, Lord, you know, I know I mentioned Sharon, but now, you know, Karen is this other one who I really think she, you know. And, and I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write my thoughts about dating as a 15-year-old young, no, it was people, this one, this one, this one, and Greta's name never got in it because I destroyed it years before we ever met. It will not be part of our 100th anniversary display, you know, in, in two years or whatever, but it was, it was the ramblings of a, of a, of a romantic 15-year-old boy, right? But it was people, 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 people. Now, I am not comparing my letters to the Apostle Paul inspired by the Spirit of God. Only in this regard, Paul's writing, and as he's writing, he's not writing a book to go into libraries. He's writing to people. Know that when you're reading Paul's letter, he values people. So by the time he writes his letter to the Romans, which is probably the most epistle type form of his letters, it's so doctrinal as he, as he just lays out, you know, our condemnation, our justification, our sanctification, our glorification, but even that at the very end, the whole last chapter, Paul mentions almost 50 people. Oh, by the way, tell him I've been so blessed by his ministry. Tell her that she has been such a blessing to me in her ministry. Tell him, tell her, tell them. He mentions name after name after name of people that he knows in the Roman church. We have to ask ourselves, when we get home, not just home from church, home from work, home from the week, home from college, home from whatever, whatever that time is at home where hopefully we stop to take inventory of the people in our lives. Lord, who was it this week? Is there somebody that needs a letter from me. Now, it doesn't have to be a letter. It could be a touch in some way. It could be a meal or an email or a text or whatever, you know. But Lord, give me a heart that values people and let me be able to stop like Paul. And, 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 and in the midst of, he doesn't just head right out on the second missionary journey. Before he goes out again, he writes an entire letter to a church, and we'll see why in just a few moments. He values people, but secondly, he values what? He values the churches. He values the churches. 
We read that in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And that's not just speaking about their individual faith. It's continuing in it together, right? And saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them, right? They appoint elders. Paul is doing what? Strengthening the church. Why? Because he values, he knows that God's plan to build lives is, is centered so much in the local church together. When we read there in verse 23 that Paul appointed leaders, I want to be honest with you, there are times I wish he still did. And I don't mean that because of our leaders here. We have terrific leaders. I mean it because of my own human weakness in this regard. Every year we have elections. We're a congregational church, right? And, and you know, we, we, don't, we don't read about it that in the, in the New Testament. Doesn't mean it's not, it's not, it's unbiblical. You know, it's, 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 it's the way that we sense as a church body to handle, uh, you know, th- those leadership issues and nominate and pray and that whatnot. But for me each year, We're usually having a list of qualified godly leaders, and there's more of them than there are positions open. And for me, that just always causes a little, oh, Lord. You know, that means there's going to be some godly leaders that are not going to get into the position. And if it were me, I'd say, and I guess honestly say, okay, Lord, you didn't have me, all right, you know, move on. But when it's someone you love and care about and you know there's that sense of, oh, you know, there's, there's just not as many open positions as there are people nominated. But you know what the Lord has always done? And I mean always. I have always ended up being humbly amazed at how people in our church who were nominated and not elected, how they just move on, okay, whatever the Lord has for me. If the Lord, if that's not what the Lord had, I'll keep serving him here and keep serving him there, and my life continues with Christ. And so, you know, when I say I wish, I wish Paul appointed, I mean that just my own little sense of, of, of not wanting to see individuals who are qualified not be able to fulfill the role And yet at the same time, it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen in our church is seeing individuals who were not uh, selected show that beauty of servanthood, that that, that sense that they really were are, 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 are qualified with such humble servant leader type hearts. I share that because leadership is significant. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was saying, we need leaders in the church because I value the church and the church needs to be strengthened. It needs to be encouraged. And so he does. He shows that value of the church in his actions. I said at the end of the first missionary journey, the way he goes back and visits the cities, right? You know, look at the beginning of the second missionary journey. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 36, what do we read there? We read, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of God. See how they are. In other words, let's go on our second missionary journey. Where are we going now? Well, first we're going to go see all the people we already saw. Oh, I thought we were going somewhere new. 
you know, but, but, but that's, it's, it's, it, look at verse, even later, Paul and Barnabas, you know, they split, but in verse 41, and Paul was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. See, what's he doing? He's showing, I value the churches. I don't just one and done, right? I want to get back there and strengthen them. We were on one vacation one time, I don't know, I don't want to cause any of you as family to relive the moment. Uh, you know, hopefully you blocked it out. But I think it was our trip to Kentucky. I'm not positive. But we were, I was driving on a, on a highway. And um, on that particular highway, I had to get off to get gas. And when we got back on, I got, going, I got on the wrong direction. And now we're going the wrong way. That doesn't provoke a sweetness within me to be, to, to, to be traveling the wrong direction. And I think what happened was it was kind of like, oh, I can't believe I'm going, uh, what's the next exit? Four miles? It's going to be four miles until I'm going the wrong direction. I'm going the wrong direction. I can't believe this. You know, it was as if I'm underwater and I can't breathe again until I get back to new ground, right? Now, you know, I, I, I remember it. I remember that sense of, ah, oh, this frustration that all the area I'm traveling, I've got to travel back before I get to go somewhere new. I think I caught myself somewhere in there, and, or, or you made clear to me that this was not enjoyable. I don't know. <laughs> You've always been gracious to me, honey. But, but, but I, that sense of, okay, slow down. You know, you're not going to, you know, you, you did what you did. It's your fault. You were going the wrong. Not, Paul says what? Listen, I don't need to get new. I, I want to go see the people that we've already been with. Because why? I value the church. I want to make sure they're okay. I want to strengthen them. And that's what you're going to see in his letters. In his letters, they're going to be personal, but he also knows what? I'm an apostle, and I need to give them truth to strengthen the church. So it, to the, in a personal way to the church at Corinth, he tells them what? You guys need to stay united. You're, you, um, these divisions, it, to the church at Ephesus, you, gotta, you can't just be the pastor that's using his gifts. You need everybody using their gifts. And as he's personally strengthening each of these churches specifically, the Holy Spirit is inspiring every word he uses so that it's effective for every other church. Paul valued people. Paul valued the churches. There's the third thing. Paul valued truth. The power of God's truth. I said that most feel that the letter to the Galatians was written there in Acts 14, 28, the time he spent back in Antioch, but before the council and before going out on the next missionary journey. And what's on his heart? What's on his heart? He, he, he states right there in the beginning of Galatians chapter 1, right? And verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. I, am, I care about the truth. I don't just care about the fact that, hey, you got more people there than, than when I left. That doesn't matter if you've lost the truth. See, 
It's there for a reason, the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If we as a church lose that, and if we ever embrace the gospel that says there are other ways than through Jesus to be saved, we're a church adrift, right? And Paul says the truth. We have to stay focused on what? The truth. He cares about it. The truth. Declare it. Make it clear. The gospel and so much other truth that he shares. See, personal letters during this time, they had four parts to them. They had the, you know, the person would introduce themselves, the writer, uh, this is from so-and-so, and, and often, you know, that introduction came with a greeting. Then the second thing was the prayer or, or thanksgiving. Then the third thing was the content, the body, what it is that I'm writing to you about, and the last part being the final greeting and the farewell. We, we have manuscripts, we have pieces of letters from the time of Christ that archaeologists have found that show every letter, every personal letter is written that way. You read the letters that Paul writes, they're all written that way. Paul follows the exact format of a personal letter. <clears throat> but the content is always about what? Truth. One writer says, to read Paul's letters is like listening to one side of a phone conversation. We do not possess the letter which he was answering. We do not know fully the circumstances with which he was dealing. It is only Paul's letter itself that we can consider to know the situation that prompted it. Sometimes Paul will tell you that. I'm writing because so-and-so told me this. Other times it's, we're, we're looking, we're going, okay, here's what he's saying. Well, I wonder what provoked it, right? I, two weeks ago, there was in the Dear Abby column, and I don't read it regularly, to be honest with you. I, I have an e email service that kind of uh, gives me highlights of the news and every so often tosses one of these in, and that's what, where I got it, right? But there was a Dear Abby response. But imagine if you're just reading the response and you don't see what the person wrote to Dear Abby. You just get to read the response, and this was on February 13th. Maybe you read it. I'm glad to provide some advice for you. The next time your mother-in-law insists on house-sitting while you are on holiday, say you have made other arrangements and do not waver. If necessary, change your locks, right? <laughs> now, what is it, what's happened? Is the mother-in-law messy? She leave food out on the counter? Is she snooping through their stuff? She taking money? She rearranging, oh, I was cleaning up the house, and now they can't find anything, right? What we don't know. All we know is, if we just had the response, that the response is dealing, obviously, with some issue in that regard. And, and some of Paul's letters will be like that. In, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, right? When you read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he gives his greetings, he gives his words of thanksgiving, he jumps into the content, and in chapter 2 and verse 1 he says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message, or a letter, as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. What's happened? Why is he writing that? Apparently, someone stole his Facebook profile, right? 
Somebody stole his email. They hacked him or whatever. And, and, and in other words, somebody is sending messages to the church at Thessalonica, and Paul is saying, listen, don't listen to them. That's why I sign my letters sometimes with my own handwriting here so that you get to know what's from me. But we, we, we see his response, right? Paul values truth. Why? Because Jesus values truth. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a reason why we can stand here and, and say, free. Free, right? We're free because we have heard the truth that if the Son of God sets you free, you shall be free indeed, right? It's built on truth. It's all about truth. Our unity here as a church is built on the truth of the Word of God. Our unity is not built on personalities. It's not built on, you, you, you know, our fellowship. Wonderful. I love our fellowship. Love our different personalities here. But what unites us in the Holy Spirit is the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's Word, the truth of what we all can say. That's what we hold our life accountable to. That's what our church is built upon, the truth. In that regard, the Apostle Paul is very much like the Apostle John because John wrote letters too. And John's third letter, I say chapter 1, it only has one chapter, but in 3 John chapter 1, what does he write in verse 4? The Apostle John, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, that my kids they all got good jobs and nice houses. Great. Thank God. It's a wonderful blessing when your kids have jobs and homes. But that's not what he says, right? The greatest joy we know is Christian parents. And I know when I say this, listen to me, I'm well aware. Some of you are still, that's one of your deepest prayer requests. Oh God, bring my child to walk in your truth. And I pray with you in that regard, right? But what is he saying? That's my heart for you truth, truth, truth. You know, I, I mentioned getting saved in summer of, of eighth grade. That's really when I started coming here. And uh, Emmanuel at that time would help some of the eighth graders go on a, a retreat for a wee hilltop ranch. Remember Nancy was one of the ones that was there, Jonathan Fox, I remember, was one. Robin Klein was, was, was one. That's when I was kind of meet, meeting them. But on that eighth, that, 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 you know, hilltop retreat, summer camp for teens, that particular week, there was a basketball team there from Messiah College. My cousin had gone to Messiah College, and so I was like, oh, there's a basketball team. And we were told, if you want to go watch the Messiah College team, they're practicing. They want you to know that, that they'd be glad to have you come on over and, and watch their practice. I, listen, at the time, I was whew, eighth grade, eating up basketball. I spent most of my free time that week in the gym with the Messiah College basketball team. These guys, wow, man. And I, at the time, was four foot seven, 
You know what I mean? And I think they thought, oh, look at this little guy. They, they took me under their wing. You know, I was like a little, you know, whatever, a little Boy Scout or something. I wasn't a Boy Scout. But, but, but you know, that, that sense of like, ah, oh, this little. And you know what? They were, oh, yeah. They, they all, they shared their, they, at one point, they, I think they offered to the camp. We're going to be given, we're playing. They, they scrimmaged Lancaster Bible College. And afterwards, we're going to give our testimonies. It was just for me. I got to know a couple of them. They took down my address. And you know, in, <laughs> in the weeks that followed, I started getting letters. A guy named Bob Vanderhoff, who was at the time the all-time leading scorer for Messiah College, writing me a letter. Hey, dear Vince, keep walking with Jesus. Keep being part of your youth group. Keep staying reading your word, reading the word. Another guy that was on the team writing to me. And, and, and those letters carried on for a while, just encouraging me, this little, little kid they met, to keep staying with it. They were taking time. I, at the time, they were, they, I, think, I think Vanderhoff was returning for his junior year, or, you know. I, I, the letters eventually stopped coming. Forty years went by. And I, I, I met my future son-in-law, Caleb Ostrander. And uh, Caleb went to Messiah College, and I met his parents, and they uh, went to Messiah College, and I said, oh, wow, you guys wouldn't know them because they were older than you, but man, there were these couple guys who made such an impact on my life by writing me letters. I, I, ex I didn't expect this, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I said, one of those named Bob Vanderhoff. I said, the other one's name is Larry Sasserman, and Caleb's parents said, Larry Sasserman, he's part of our church family. We worship with him. I got the name right, Sasserman or Larry? We, we, we worship with him. Oh, they're a wonderful Christian couple. Now listen, I know the story's flipped a bit because they were the letter writers to me, but I gotta tell you, when I heard that, I thought, wow, how thrilling that 40 years later, Larry Sasserman, who was writing me letters, he's still walking with the Lord. Listen, who, who is it that God's gonna put on your mind? I don't know. Value people. Value the church. Maybe there's somebody you need to write to and just say, hey, I just want you to know, I, I, I haven't missed your life. I love you and I care about you. Maybe there's somebody who you need to just write to and say, I haven't seen you at church. I, I, it's valuable. Come on back out and be with us. Maybe there's somebody that you need to write to and just say, hey, I'm concerned that you're, you're, you're slipping from the truth. Paul is a letter writer because he valued people. He valued the church, and he valued truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for the privilege to be able to look at your word. Thank you, Lord God, to be able to sit with you. All of us different. We don't know each other's circles and worlds. But to be made aware that there are people that we need to see and value. And to remind them of the value of the church. To remind them of the value of truth. Bring to our mind whoever it is you want us to see and value. Help us to touch their lives in some way. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.